Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. You're listening to episode number 76. Now, unfortunately, we are a man short today. Mr. DC is currently without a stable internet connection, which I think is a pretty poor excuse because I'm currently here without a stable relationship with food. But hey, you know, let's uh, let's keep it positive. Jack and DY are still here and we're ready to crack in. Boys, uh, a big weekend indeed. And that is going to be sort of the gist for the first half of the episode is recapping the Australian ICN Championships down in Melbourne and then also had the IFBB Nationals up in Brisbane as well. We, of course, had BDU representation at both shows because that's just how we roll. You know, we run the bodybuilding scene here in Australia. That's just as simple as that. So, of course, we'll be recapping the shows. So, Jacko, did you want to kick us off, mate? And maybe you can tell us about your clients' results down at Nationals and obviously your overall feelings about the show any highlights lowlights that sort of thing yeah so i had two clients compete uh both ian and chris so ian did classic and he honestly yeah did performed really well uh getting second in his open class open class one for classic physique and then second in oceania as well so yeah i couldn't i mean i would have been even happier if he got a pro card but hey his first season doing classic and um, I'm stoked with his efforts, um, especially considering like where he started off at with me. Uh, we've, we've come a long way and super happy. Um, and I, I've got good confidence that next time he'll be stepping on that stage. We'll, we'll, after a solid improvement season, I can quite comfortably see him getting that classic pro card for sure, especially bringing up some of those uh, weaker areas of his physique. And then I also had Chris. So Chris was a first-time competitor and he did men's physique. Um, again, fantastic, fantastic gent. Every, did everything I asked and really positive mindset throughout the whole of prep. And um, yeah, surprise, surprise. He, he did really well um, following everything I said. So uh, he got second in the under 70s for men's physique at nationals. And then he got... Um, third in his open class and third in Oceania. And again, like his, uh, he won't mind me saying this, like his his back is his weak point, similar to back was used to be my weak point. So I think a solid improvement season of of bringing up the rear shot. Um, but he's got those men's physique proportions. He's got nice wide, wide clavicles. He's got a good midsection, tiny waist. So I think once we bring that up, like, again, I, I can quite, I can see him getting a pro card or very, very competitive for a pro card again. But I thought the bodybuilding was great. The uh, All divisions great. Again, I mainly saw bodybuilding, classic, and men's physique. I didn't see as much of the men's fitness. But uh, Lawrence, you, you competed on the day. So I'll let you sort of talk a little bit more about the bodybuilding. Yeah, mate. It was on... Oh, to be fair, I'm probably in a similar boat to you, mate. Like, we're not really here to, like, criticize. And I think a big part of what we do on this podcast is building up the sport. Obviously, we're not here to, you know, say it's all... Um, you know, roses and and parties Rangers. all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but overall, I thought the show was run very efficiently. You know, they weren't behind time. They weren't massively ahead. They ran pretty much to time most of the day as far as the bodybuilding was concerned, I think. Um, I thought that, you know, maybe the, the backstage area, you know, was a little bit lackluster just in terms of like lighting and stuff to apply tans or whatnot. I know a few of the coaches found that quite difficult. But 
what was nice about the backstage area is that we could still watch the show like mm. it was only a small partition so that was actually quite nice to be able to watch all the divisions and there was no confusion about how much time you had because you could see them wrapping up and then you could see them coming off so that was quite good i thought and as far as like the stage setup was concerned you know like the background that they used um the colors looked great i thought that the lighting was on the money as well so all in all like i think it was a pretty solidly run show i didn't have too many massive qualms with it and overall i I had a really fun day so yeah the bodybuilding was great obviously um obviously a few of the standouts were some of the winners from the pro cards so we got to give a big shout out to uh, a big supporter of the show mr scott nelson he looked absolutely superb winning his pro card on the day and then also coming away with a pretty handy placing in the pro show afterwards as well and then in the open class two, we had the um, Queensland champion, Alex Wilson. He was able to take his card once again, doing very well placing in the pro show. And then open class three, the winner of that pro card was Kurt Dutton, once again from Queensland. So good showing from the Queenslanders. And then obviously everyone had a final crack in the Oceana division uh, where they gave away one more card and that went to a guy named Matt Burgess from Tasmania. So big shout out to those guys. And obviously the pro show was incredible as well. Our guy Z Dennis, one of BK's boys taking the win in what was, I thought, a very impressive pro lineup in terms of numbers, but quality as well. So Mm. yeah, big shout out to all of those guys. They looked exceptional on the day. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. A lot of depth to the bodybuilding, especially season A. There was there was one open class and and now there was three plus the Oceania. So that's that's a big difference. And uh, yeah, I, I guess to comment on classic physique, since I probably watched that a bit more closely than you, I thought it was I thought it was good. Yeah, there's I don't have too much to say about it. Like the quality again was high, um, good depth to the to the categories as uh, to the divisions as well. And um, I think they have narrowed down a little bit closer in terms of I think what they're looking for in the classic division. It it sort of pains me to say a little bit uh and and tiara was remarking on this as well that like it is i think it is separating much much further from bodybuilding now like there wasn't i don't can't think of or maybe one or two crossovers from bodybuilding but i think everyone else was was separate and there probably wasn't even that much crossover between uh classic and physique either and i i sort of question why that is like if if you are a classic looking bodybuilder, which according to WMBF, like every bodybuilder is like, why not, why not give class classic a shot? I'm, I'm uncertain about that. But again, you're one of those people, Lawrence, and I, but I, we've already spoken about it. I don't want to want to beat a dead horse. Like uh, we may as well just move on from that. Yeah, no, we, we've spoken about that at length, but I, I do think it, it is potentially just a way of sort of really establishing that there is a, a difference and there's maybe what they're trying to establish is more so, okay, there is a difference in the physique, not just a difference in the posing. Like maybe that's what they're going for. Because if that was the case, then you would have everyone do everything. Like you could have someone do men's physique, classic physique and bodybuilding. And I think that, I I do think it takes away from the fact that there are separate divisions if that was to be the case. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Well, Mr. DY, you obviously were not down in the southern state of Victoria with us. You were home here in the heat up here in Brisbane. So how did it go down in uh, Brisbane with the IFBB Nationals? 
the IFB was really good. Um, the girls in the bikini did a phenomenal job. Even Chloe and uh, Lisa, which we obviously had uh, special guesting on the podcast, pretty much went head to head. They did the first call outs and then they recalled them back out because it was that close between the two. Um, and then not only that, the overall lineup for the bikini division was absolutely stacked as well. Like, Probably, to be honest, probably like the most stacked uh, overall I've actually seen for a bikini lineup. Like, you know, if you were to probably take that back like half a year or a year ago, four of those probably would have scored their pro cards given another show, which is really, really crazy to say. Um, and I think they all deserve a mention as well. Like you had Ellen, you had Lisa, Philippa, uh, Gabriella, and then Crystal as well. Two of those, which were actually ICN bikini pros originally as well, which is crazy. Um don't know if they might be still ICM bikini pros, but you know, they definitely stepped it up um, and, you know, put on a, put on a damn show. I figured I would uh, mention some of the others that were in the overall that won the pro cards and stuff like that, which was a good showing, which was like uh, Matt O'Reilly. He looked phenomenal. He's that is one big boy. I'll tell you that. Like that's a large individual. When you see 110 kilos, pretty much shredded on stage, you're like, how the fuck does this even happen? Like just imagine Lawrence, but with another 30 kilos on it, like that would just be like, Lawrence is already a big boy. So yeah, it's crazy to see. And then the classic physique, you had Tom Stanley pretty much versing J dash Jordan. Um, that was a hell of a show as well. Um, that would have been extremely, extremely close Two completely different looking physiques as well um, for classic physique. So um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting because Jordan is obviously so big, but then Tom Stanley is really what you would see like that classic division look like. Um, you also had Dr. Ash taking the men's physique. He looked phenomenal as well. Such a tiny waist for such a big boy. Um, very, very impressive. Uh, this one was crazy too. Lydia um, went head to head pretty much with Ruby for the uh, women's wellness. And she ended up uh, taking it, Lydia, uh, which was only 20 years old for an IFBB pro wellness win, which is absolutely astronomical. Like that is, that's a lot of muscle at a very young age. So tremendous job to her. Um, then you also had Lydia, another Lydia as well, taking uh, the women's physique, um, M Marks taking the figure and Chloe taking the posing award. So it was a phenomenal little showing up there. I have a couple of things to say. Firstly, speaking of people that have a large amount of muscle mass and were younger than I anticipated, the girl Poppy, well, Poppy Buckland, she won two overalls here in Queensland. You know, she I spoke to her today on my podcast and she's only just turned 20. Yeah. And I was like, that is absolutely mental, like the amount of muscle she has. Anyway, that's point one. Point two, D.Y., I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Because that guy, Jay Dashy, he's coached by Jackson Pios. Hey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about like the, the sort of the hype that went into that? Because it was very much like creating this like redemption arc, coming back for the pro card, unfinished business. Like, I mean, I like that sort of thing because I think it adds a bit of drama. But then do you think it's one of those things where you do set yourself up for like an even bigger slump if you're hyping up that much on socials? I don't necessarily think so. I don't know. I think if you believe in yourself enough and like, you know, you put in the work, like there's no doubt in my mind that Jordan and Jackson had put in the work for that show. And he came in looking on point. Like it was literally, it would have been so close between the two. 
it was just honestly the difference in the shape. And that's what it would have come down to. Like, I have pretty much no doubt that Jordan's going to win his card this season because he's got another couple of shows, I believe, lined up, like the Japan show. Like, I realistically think he is at that caliber where he deserves to get awarded. And I think it's just that time. When you look that good, uh, they, you know, it's just inevitable. It's like, how many shows are you going to run till you eventually get that card? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it brings the hype. Like, you know, it was very interesting. Like, I was following along, like, Jackson and his posts, like, all the way leading up. Like, when they did, like, their boot camp in Australia, they did some posts, you know, going up. And they even did it last time as well when, like, you know, Jordan kind of came out of nowhere. They did, like, some little hype videos going forward. I don't know. I think if you've done the work, you believe in yourself, like, you know, chuck up some videos bring that like you know confidence out but you know what once they they didn't get the card they took it on the chin they said you know what we missed the mark we're going to come back and do it again and we're going to do it better so you know brings the hype even going forward as long as you have the right mindset behind it like you know if you come in you've done all this hype and then you lose and then next thing you know you're throwing a fit man this guy looks shit and he beat me blah 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 that's the wrong mentality to have like you know go into it with the confidence make some videos you know make it super interesting if you lose you know, take it on the chin, make some adjustments and then go into the next show. Mm, yeah, I agree. I think it does make it exciting. And I think that it also, like, it seems like there is a lot of like global eyes now on the Australian scene, both on the natural side and the enhanced side. Like, I mean, there's been a few of the lads from Australia that have been getting some of the Natting News Daily shout outs. There's been some people who have been getting shout outs on Bodybuilders Without Borders, which is really cool. So it seems like, you know, whether it's the enhanced or the, the tested game, you know, the Australian bodybuilding as a whole is is in a pretty healthy place, which is great. And uh, look, I mean, is it is it us? I mean, yeah, look, that's up for future historians to decide whether or not bodybuilding down under is what resurrected the sport here. But, you know, we do have it. I must say, like everyone that won their pro cards, probably like across all the all like the ICN and the um IFBB, like would be like world class and would pretty much win them at like other shows as well. There's no doubt in my mind, like when you see some of the talent that comes out of Australia from the amateur level, then you would compare it to the American level as well. Like they're all up to scratch. Um, and you know, we're definitely holding our own in terms of like just over the world. Um, like, you know, you see some of the guys like, you know, Alex, which was an amateur, which ended up, you know, um nearly winning his pro card Z, like, you know, all these guys would hold up in all these other shows that are over in like the UK, America and stuff like that. And they'll do extremely, extremely well. So the, uh, they're definitely up the standard. Another cool thing is Bev Francis was actually judging the show at the IFBB Lawrence. So yeah, me and Bev, we're best mates now. So, you know, so we'll be getting free entry now when we go train, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're pretty much best mates. Yeah. It was Mate. crazy. I didn't know that she was actually Australian. So she was actually, really? she was an Aussie and then her and, pretty much like Tony Doherty. Yeah. Kind of just, yeah. Made, I guess, IFBB what it is today. Yeah. Oh, wow. But she ended up going over there and, you know, obviously doing her do won a lot of shows. Well, mate, we're bloody couple of weeks late on our trip to, um, Bear Francis in New York. There's been some huge names rolling through there. Like, um, Brandon Curry was there the other day. I saw pictures of Ryan Terry there today. So, yeah. I mean, look, they're just warming it up for us, let's be honest. Like, get, just get, get those that... amateurs out of the way before some real bodybuilders come to town. Exactly, because once Lawrence gets in that posing room, it's got, there's not going to be much room left in there, that's for sure. Game over, mate. Th those mirrors have seen a lot, I reckon, over the years, but they ain't mm. seen these glutes yet. Am I right? Exactly. But no, it, it looked like it was a, a good time at IFBB. I was following along with the, the bikini overall on the stream. And yeah, just yeah, unbelievable quality. 
Um, so big shout out to everyone who competed up there. And I suppose I, I probably should give a, a quick mention. Uh, I did compete on the weekend, which was good fun. Um, I managed to sneak a fifth place in the Oceana Open Men's, which was I was really happy with. I think it was a pretty deep class of about 12 guys. So to get a, a fifth there, I was, I was quite stoked. And in the Open Class 3, where I think there was about nine in that class, I managed a third, which I was also very, very pleased with. Um, so yeah, obviously we, we had a, a sniff. We were in the mix, boys, for the card, uh, but not this time. Uh, which is fine. We'll come back in uh, another couple of years and we'll give it another bash. But I was really, really pleased with the package that we brought. I thought that as far as this season has gone is probably my best blend of just fullness, but um, equally very conditioned. You know, like I spoke to Jack on Monday and like we both think I was probably one of the, the better conditioned guys at the show or like certainly held my own there. Mm. And yeah, you know, to be one of the younger guys, but still mixing it up with, um, the grown men in the open categories I was very proud of um, really proud with how we presented so yeah it's um, it was a good showing and I suppose now it's three days out um, from WMBF Australia uh, which is very very exciting so looking forward to that show this weekend and we will uh, run it back and see how we go but we pass it on real quick uh, Cartier did compete down at the ICN Victoria as well she pretty much bought her best package as well and uh, did phenomenal so before we moved on I just thought I'd uh, mention that before before we uh, yeah that is my bad mate I forgot to, uh, to swing to you shit, for the man. ICN nah. I just have no nah. regard mate it's me, yeah. me me it's all about me what can yeah. I say it's the same thing that the um, the counsellor for Gemma and my you know Rocky relationship talks about now that I'm, I'm in prep mm. you know how did the lie say, detector, it's all about you. How did the lie detector go with it too? When you took her in for that date. Oh, mate, I, I tried to hide it. I was like, oh, yeah, we're doing this thing. It just like measures your heart rate. Just for fun. Just, just for fun. how much we love each other. And then, yeah, she caught me out, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't want to talk about it too much, but not, not ideal. Not as she well turned, as my polygraph went. She turned the tables on you. When was the last time you had those sugar-free bloody lollies? And oh, oh. Uh, have you had them in the past six months the box just blew up mate smoke filled the room and then i made a getaway so yeah managed to work out okay um and the final thing i suppose to to cover from the weekend slash inclusive of monday was of course the battle of the bay jack v general round whatever and um look mate i'm just saying the, the, there was pros and cons on both sides. Heroes on both sides, as they'd say in Star Wars. Jack's coming in, six hours sleep, late get in from Melbourne the night before. Uh, what other excuses did he line up? Sort of wasn't feeling too good, like nausea. Not my home ground um, either. Mm. Yes, he was the away team, which yeah. is another thing worth considering. I, you know, I was pretty much as good as I could be functioning as a human. You know, been in a caloric deficit since the end of March. Um, you know, coming off my lowest day of prep in terms of caloric intake, um, had a weekend in which sodium and hydration was pretty much all over the place. So I was coming in at 100%. Um, so it's no surprise that I, I smoked him again on the hack squat. What were the numbers? Like, like, like what, what did Jack get and what did you get? Like, Mate, not insignificant. I think, what, you took six plates for eight? Yes. Yeah, I did. Which is, so six plates on that is what 240 and i took Warm 250 up, yeah. yeah yeah this was the the feeder set um and then i took 252 and a half for eight 
and then yeah. and then he i don't i mean i didn't want to say anything but he missed a rep on the back off as well like mate it was it was an absolute debacle I felt he like had to have been dehydrated like there's no other explanation alongside all those other concoctions of things that went wrong yeah why man, do we 100%. always end up hack squatting though on these leg sessions mate i i don't write the programs that's all, that's all i'm saying but no the um to be fair to be fair i have been running that hack for a while um despite despite I'll, the fact i mean i'll, I'll admit it on the podcast and i told you in person you're you're a better squatter than me there yeah. it is all right guys it's the last episode of we can wrap that up here. thank you so much for tuning in um no that this is true jack i think I'm, i am I gracious in defeat I'll, I'll very yeah yeah very gracious and then mate and then on the on the comment he he says i'll see you at the rdls like he's playing on my fears it's like he's <laughs> yeah. trying to get in my head for this weekend unbelievable rdl yeah. back to back extension leg curl leg extension i'll beat you in any of that shit yeah <laughs> so, happy to really? happy to prove it next when you're in the off season yeah oh that's the other thing dy did he mention that he's double digits body weight up on me over 10 kilos heavier yeah no. he, didn't, he didn't throw that in well no, i, I say we gotta rerun it we gotta we got rerun it when jack's three shows deep um next time and then lawrence we do the reverse the switchy switchy and then i, I think we then run him on the rdls let the yeah, let the fear 100%. play into him yeah 100 and um mate i I smoked him in the post-workout meal as well. He couldn't even get his in. I smashed mine down. So it was just, it was a demolition across the board. Damn. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's quite fair though, in terms it of is the what food. It is. You could you could eat that meal while training on the hack squad because you're impressed. 100%. So. 100%. Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking that today. My macros, actually, they're still not as high in fairness. And this is probably a testament to how much food Jack is eating. Like my loading day today is similar to what Jack is having at the moment and it just flies down. And then I'm watching Jack just sit there with his protein cake that he didn't end up taking out of the, the package because he's just like, nah, I can't. I'm just going to have to have this when I get home. Protein like, cake? What's this man brewing up? Is that the buckwheat protein cake that I've heard about? It's similar, yeah. I, I won't be sharing the recipe with you though. Yeah, I won't be eating it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Far out, mate. The, the man's wondering why he can't get the food in. He's, he's just cooking cakes. You didn't see Ronnie doing that. Yeah. This man's a baker, I, part-time baker. <laughs> I just had chicken and rice, to be fair. So mm. I think I'm I'm all good in Ronnie's books. Yeah, you gotta mix it up. But did you have 500 ml of barbecue sauce on it? That's the question. <laughs> I'm tracked. No thanks. There was also to, um JT Jack Thorburn. Yeah, shout out. He does like his sauce. Um, there was also quite a... Um, I, I don't know his name, but he's one of AJ's boys. Jackie won the universe. He got like mm. um, his classic and and bodybuilding pro card, I think. Yeah. Far out. He looked phenomenal. Yes, he did. I Yeah, I know him by his Instagram, unfortunately. Not by mm. his, his name. What about the uh, Dirk? Ended up running his first pro show of the season as well. Man, yeah. that... I don't know what they're what eating over there. I don't know what they're eating over there, but they're eating something special. Those guys look absolutely insane. Mm. And the yeah, winner dude. was what, 21, 22? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe he was like, yeah, 21. Like, oh, that is it. That's a physique. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. And I saw it on Steve Hall's story. Have you seen that guy, Chris Paling? No. Yes. Yeah, with the glutes. With the just yeah. like, 
absurd glutes. And it's actually interesting. Like I was listening to him and Pascal talk and Steve was talking about Chris Paling. And in the off season, apparently Chris Paling, like when he gets more than five kilos above his fully in stage weight, he just can't like, he's, he's like where you are at now, Jack, like yeah. five kilos above stage weight. And he feels like he's just can't eat anymore just because his like metabolism is that high. Like, I think that's where it does sort of reaffirm that idea that there is a certain level of conditioning that it's not like you can just diet to get there. Like, I think you do have to have a certain genetic proclivity to getting shredded, shredded because, you know, that speaks to it. Like this dude's just chilling out at like probably six kilos above stage weight and then is feeling sick because he has to eat so much food. Um, Whereas like, how much are you above stage weight now, Jack? Probably 15-ish. Yeah, so it's just like, it's just mental like and even even i'm and even i'm someone who feels the effects of the off season relatively quickly yeah Mm, mm, absolutely so i definitely think it it hits home with that messaging um but is there anything else you guys wanted to mention from the the weekend no no i'm just want to make sure that next time we train legs we'll be at rigs you'll be in the off season do you train legs at rigs i do yeah actually yeah that's what you do your smith squats hey yeah, mate. I'm never RDLing again. <laughs> I will go back to stiff leggeds, but I don't. I honestly think I'm done. Like, uh, I think I'm retiring. Mm. I don't even demonstrate them for patients anymore. I just let them do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you about this thing I learned at university. It's Wolf's Law. So if we like start real light, we can kind of just build up our tissues and bones and connective tissue over time, and we can actually never ever get an injury. So yeah, I was uh... chatting to Wolf about it, and yeah. So I don't know. Maybe give that a run in the next off season, and you might be right for the next prep. Fair play, mate. Fair play. Um, but yeah, but at Riggs, I feel like Riggs is a great gym, but I feel like legs, it's maybe not as good as it is for upper. Like, no, does it have a very... Other way around. You reckon? Yeah. Does it have a good hack, though? Yeah, it has two hacks. <laughs> I two said hacks. a good one. <laughs> Lawrence, man, has he not been oh, to the powerhouse? Is, is that a snap fitness? 23. <laughs> different angles, like... There are two hacks at at uh at, at powerhouse as well. Oh, mate, and there's no, there's a couple of pendulums. I think there's with like the Watson, with the Watson because it's hydraulic, you can move it a millimeter. So we've got what three hundred <laughs> hack squats at powerhouse, give yeah. or take. Come on. No, there's four hack squats. There's at yeah, least there's, four hack squats there. Yeah. There's the new Watson, Watson, the old Watson, the Watson, the and Cybex. And that rubbish hammer strength, which is technically a calf raise machine because that's all it's good for. And even that, it's rubbish. Yeah. But I think... I mean, I'll defend Riggs to the day I die. So, Oh, I I love Riggs, mate. I I love Riggs. I think Riggs is good and it's got some banger pieces of equipment, but I just don't think it has the variety. Like, you know, sometimes you're like looking for a piece here and there. It's like, you know, it doesn't have a majority of the hammer strength. Like Riggs is the size of my bedroom and then Powerhouse is... The size of yeah your house my mate. bedroom yeah but the thing is yeah, <laughs> yeah but powerhouse is 10 bucks probably cheaper than rigs and then you know you've got double the equipment like it's it's not comparing apples to oranges it's comparing apples and oranges versus oranges i'm getting double the shit though, for the same money i think though you cannot rule out what i like to call the nautilus coefficient because i think dy you and i would both trade half the gym floor away if we could get some of those nautilus rows and pull downs it is quality over quantity that's what it comes down to 
you you have your hack, uh, hammer strength hack squat. I'll take my Nautilus pull down. He's All got right. us there. <laughs> but mate, do you have a box in your ring? Case closed, <laughs> baby. Me and DY in there after every session throwing hands. Exactly. That's why no one takes our machines. Nah. Fair enough. Not at all. We're training for the streets of New York. Straight up. Anyway, arguments about gym equipment aside, boys, we do have some listener questions. So the first one says, do you guys change your wardrobes between the bulking and cutting phases? I feel like this is something that females who are involved with competing are probably more accustomed to. I have heard Alana and Nicole talk about it a bit on their new podcast. Uh, but is it anything that you boys do? DY? Not necessarily, I guess. If I outgrow my clothes, I buy new ones. But like, I don't sit there and be like, hmm, I'm four kilos up now. So now I cannot wear the large shirts. I need to go buy a whole range of extra large ones. If they fit, they fit. Normally I have this policy every month or two, I go buy a new Nike shirt or whatever the hell I'm going to be wearing in the gym better boom better bing and then obviously my wardrobe then caters towards the size i'm going to be but um sometimes like maybe on the real back end of my prep i like had a couple of medium shirts where i would obviously never wear those anymore um i don't know (laughs) i I don't necessarily go out and change my whole entire wardrobe like if it fits it fits if it doesn't fit i don't wear it i feel like it's one of those things like for a guy it's like there's a lot because it's normally pretty standard. It's like you're wearing a shirt and unless you're wanting it to be especially tight, then you kind of just wear it even if you're a bit heavier, or a bit lighter. Whereas mm-hmm. I suppose for girls where it, like female clothing is a lot more fitted specifically to whatever size you are at that time. I think that's why maybe girls have different like cutting and bulking wardrobes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you guys know that for me, it's massive <laughs> shirt in the off season and then ridiculously massive shirt in prep. So it's just a question of how large I want the shirt to appear on my frame. The Mm. only thing that doesn't change for me is short size. Like I find I always stay in the extra smalls, regardless of how big I get in the off season. Like the quads don't really change. So latex type. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't actually need to buy any more new wardrobes if I'm in prep or I'm not in prep. You know, uh, they just kind of don't grow. One thing that does change for me is the um the undergarments because like the glutes grow a lot in the off season and then they shrink and prep so you're left with a bit of an oversized underwear so but I mean you guys wouldn't have that issue considering the size of your glutes so mate if for me it's all it's all about that wasted space at the front am I right boys. <laughs> I just got really good tissue retention in prep as well. So my glutes actually stay nice, full and plump. So I actually don't need to change the size of my underwear. Fair enough. They grow in. They grow yeah. into the show. Exactly right. Didn't you see those blue latex sh- um, shorts on those men's fitness divs? They were full. To the brim. Absolutely to the brim. What about you, Jack? Do you have a... Or do you even like... Is it even a consideration? Like, do you just put on what you put on and it's not too much of a fuss? Yeah, I don't I don't really wear too much normal clothes, to be honest. I just wear mainly because my work clothes are I mean, is my T B D shirt. So I've got plenty of those and they're all relatively oversized. So and then all my I kind of like a slightly oversized fit even for my casual clothes as well. Uh, I've never been someone who likes close fitting clothes, whether it's pants or shirts. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm pretty safe, but I've got about, my wardrobe is very small. That's for sure. I think I have half of the wardrobe and then Tierra has the second wardrobe in the other room and then the remainder of my wardrobe as well. So she's making up for us both. So wait, when you're wearing a dress shirt in the off season, is like tight fitted or is it a little bit loose? You know, you said that you didn't like tight fitted clothing. Are you wearing like baggy dress shirts? Well, I probably wear a, a dress shirt like once or twice a year, if that. Mm. So, I is mean, it it's, tight? it's it's relatively tight. Yeah, around the arms and the chest. Oh. I can show it to you later if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's the opposite, mate. Super loose around the arms, super tight around the midsection. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Didn't you fit your grade 12 formal um, suit when oh, you mate. went to the graduation oh, about was... five months ago? Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. It's probably more of like the formal wear because I'm probably quite similar. Like even the casual wear, I prefer a bit of an oversized fit. But if I wear like a, a button up, it's still not like super tight. And yeah, I felt like I was wearing my dad's suit when I got to um, the graduation the other day. I certainly was not filling that out as much as I had hoped. But Mate, you're gonna to have to dress up at some point, Jack, because I Maybe think after dinner then. No, well, I was actually gonna bring this up off the podcast, but I think we we gotta do like an end of year BDU Christmas party. Um, just go, all go out to dinner at the end of the year or something like that, or maybe it'll be closer to the new year. We'll see how we go. But well, I'll be I'll be dying in January, so December works for me. Yeah, perfect. And I don't well. Yeah, big dogs not dieting. Well, Decent for me and be. me and Lawrence, like we don't have like we don't have any days off, so we're always dieting though, Jack. So yeah, like I'll bring I'll be bringing a meal. Yeah, yeah we're yeah, bringing meals. Yeah. yeah, I'll just be having a word to the chef, asking what macros I'd like. Just just mix something up for me, sir. Easy as that. All right, lads, we'll go on to the next question. I think this one is very well suited um, for you, Mister Dy, in particular. Thoughts on the direction of men's fitness. The pro division winner at ICN was pretty big. So that's the, the whole question slash comment. Mm. Yeah. So when I saw this guy, um, cause I was watching the results that popped through um, that the ICN Victoria puts up and I thought he had a phenomenal physique, especially like for men's fitness. Now you got to remember with this guy, he didn't just win his pro card. He actually won the pro show as well. So you got to think that this guy is pretty much like the pinnacle of men's fitness, like right now in Australia, like he needs to pretty much fit the criteria to the absolute brim. Pretty much as big as they can possibly have men's fitness, also as shredded and as well-balanced. And he, he ticked all of those boxes. Like, he was absolutely peeled, but not too peeled to the point where, like, you know, he looked flat, stringy, and he was, like, maybe even bodybuilding condition. Like, he was shredded. He had lines, but, like, not lines in the glutes. He had uh, really good balance as well from top to bottom. Pretty much had good quads, good arms, good shoulders. Not only that, super tight core with a really nice six-pack. And, you know, he was in condition and had the muscularity needed. I don't think he was too big. When I, when I looked at his photos, I thought he was pretty much smack on what you would want the highest level of men's fitness to be. Um, yeah. And which he, he did that. You know, he came in, won the open class, got his pro card, and then went straight through. So. Yeah, I think you've also got to look at, compare him to other categories as well. Like he was smaller than the, or less muscle than the people who won bodybuilding, of course, and classic physique. So yeah, and plus just because we're not comparing him against amateur men's physique, uh, sorry, men's fitness competitors, we're comparing against now pro uh, men's fitness competitors, which there's obviously a difference there. Um, so hence he's going to look different than, than your average men's fitness competitor because he's now the Australian pro, but, um, yeah, I thought he was, I thought he fit the criteria as well. 
Yeah. And what about like sort of the the idea of someone also asked about the future of ICN, like they were saying that it looked like the numbers were really good. Um, so how do you think that, you know, ICN is going just in terms of the growth as a federation based on what we've seen, not only this season, but I guess we can include season A in there as well. Hmm. Well, I think ICN, just in general, out of all the natural federations, from what I've seen, actually the YNF one over in, I believe it was Western Australia, did put on a really good show. But the ICN is probably the most known. And not only that, they almost put always put the most into their shows. Like, you know, they're always going above and beyond. Like you go to an ICN Brisbane show and... I don't know. I don't think I've seen many other natural bodybuilding shows that put on that level of a show. Um, you know, they, they put on a show, the competitors love it and they keep coming back. Um, and I, not only that, I think post COVID numbers started ramping up. I know pre COVID and, you know, some of the earlier bikini divisions, um, you know, the shows prior actually had some huge numbers. So I think it's picking up to where it should have been. And, you know, the sport's just going to grow as, you know, social media grows with it. And, you know, ICN keeps on doing a tremendous job. But the other Fed was the YNF one as well. I think Brandon Kemp, the judge, did it. When I saw the production that they were putting on over there, that was a crazy wicked show. So, like, um, just the amount of effort they put into that show as well. But, like, ICN puts in the work, you know, they run the best shows from what I've personally seen. Um, and, you know, if they continue to do so, they're probably going to get a majority of the bodybuilding market. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see the WMBF show as well, because having been involved with some of the organization for that, like the, it looks fantastic in terms of the venue that they've got and the investment that they're putting into it looks superb, like the medals, the, uh, the, the run sheets and the, the pro card that they're handing out, like all looks fantastic. So, um, yeah. And I, I think the effort that you put in and your, your marketability is equals the, the number of competitors that you get. Um, so they're setting a good, um, a starting show for themselves. Do you think that there's maybe a little bit less runway for the females in ICN compared to the males? Cause I think when I talk to male competitors, you know, there's always this, okay, it's the next thing. Like, you might have someone who's planning on moving up from like say men's fitness or men's physique. And like, they've got this overarching goal of moving into classic or bodybuilding and then getting their pro card in that, or maybe you have someone, you know, who started in bodybuilding, but then it's about, okay, you go from winning juniors. Okay. Now I want to win a pro card. Okay. Now I want to compete as a pro, like, you know, for the guys, it seems like there's a very scaled, you know, ladder in terms of what they want to achieve. Whereas I feel like more and more when I talk to, female competitors even if it's like only their first and second season they're always already looking to like okay now i want to do wbff next time or i want to step up to ifbb um or as soon as they say maybe get a pro card it's about going to a new federation not necessarily competing as a pro um maybe you can comment on that dy i don't know if you've noticed anything similar I think it's just more appetizing. Like, you know, you see WBFF, you pretty much win a pro card with them. They got you all over their page. Like, you know, you get large amount of followers. And I think that's what a lot of girls, you know, like within the Federation, like, you know, they do it because they love that side of it as well. Like not just like full bodybuilding, like what us guys get into, like, you know, they like the aesthetics, the look of it, you know, the status that maybe comes with it. And I think the IFBB and the WBFF have that, like, you know, that's always like the end goal for a majority of the girls. Like, you know, I want to be an IFBB pro, like, you know, and, you know, it is attainable for a lot of them, especially like the bikini pros. Like, I don't know, but like when I look at an IFBB bikini pro, I'm like, that physique looks the most appealing to me 
um if i was a female and you know even as a guy so um like you know that would probably be my pick but then you know you could also go the wbff route as well like maybe you don't like that super hard conditioned look um and you know you might want to dabble in that side of thing where it might be a little bit more beauty whereas like there really isn't that like next level with the icdn like you don't really get that status like what you would with an ifbb pro or a wbff pro mm. but do you for the men though like men in icn well for the men in icn yeah, like oh. you get this, you don't get the same sort of prestigious element either. But I, maybe but I think it's also sure. quite unattainable for a natural to get to the certain level that the men need to get to. Like, mm. let's put it like this like, you know, for a natural male to the closest division that you could probably, the only division, I, in my opinion, that unless you're at that extreme, extremely top level of genetics would probably be like men's uh, physique. And not only that, you have to have insane shape for that. Like, yeah. you just, like with the bikini, the IPB bikini, there is actually an avenue there where you can turn pro as a natural and probably quite comfortably as well um, to an extent. Not comfortably like... Comfortably. <laughs> well, it depends because Australia is completely different. They give out two pro pro cards yeah, over to... Right. Now go to America when they do the Northern American Classic and they give out 21 pro cards in a show and just fucking do a Russian like big roulette there. Just go show to show to show to show. And chances are you're probably going to score a pro card if you look good enough naturally. Like Amy Shearer, she's going over to the amateur um, over there. You know, if she was to continue to do shows over there, she has a phenomenal physique with the refinements needed. She very well could... Exactly. Lisa yeah. as well. It's like, you know, in Australia is extremely hard to get it just in general, like even if you are enhanced. So where if you were to do other shows like, you know, over in America where they give them out a lot more, like a crazy amount, like in one show, they give out 10 times more than what they do in the whole season of Australia. So like yeah. definitely a lot more attainable over in those other countries. But for males, it's like realistically, you can't turn pro and take it to that next level in some of these other federations unless you're extremely, extremely gifted. We'll keep an eye out when we're over there, DY. We'll see what's maybe if there's a bikini uh, pro qualifier near us, have a crack. Yeah, I might do a rapid fat loss phase, two weeks, get the bikini on um, and then, yeah, roll around. Take that IFBB bikini pro card dub, baby. It's a pity the Olympia would have gone already. Yeah, that's a shame. Damn. Ah, well, next year. All right, we'll go on to another question, lads. So this one says, do you prefer prepping for season A or season B? I'm going to say this very easily. I'll never do season A. I don't think I love bodybuilding enough to prep through Christmas. So that's me. Yeah, I've only prepped for season A, but I'll be prepping for season B next year. So I'll be able to give a more solid answer. I've, I've not necessarily not enjoyed my... I mean, the, the time of the year doesn't really factor into it for me. I don't really care whether I died over Christmas. Um, and I'm, yeah, some people like dieting over the summer because it's warmer. They don't like being cold during the winter, but Australian winter isn't too bad. So I don't really have an exact answer for, the, for this one, unfortunately. The one season that I did do season eight, which is my first season, still didn't end up dieting over Christmas, which <laughs> yeah. probably tells you uh, how our approach has changed. It's, it seems crazy, like looking back, but as far as the first prep goes, like it was still 17 weeks, which is is not too bad because I, I don't necessarily think any more time losing fat would have made me look any better, you know, with my 17-year-old frame. Yeah, me, me too. I, I did 20 weeks for my first season. And mm -hmm. yeah, what about you, DY? I think mine was just sub 20 weeks for my final show, which was Brisbane. I think ICN Tropics might have been like, 
18 weeks, 17 weeks for my first show. And then I ended up doing the Brisbane one, which was my last one. But I think that was actually a rookie show. They used to have an ICN rookies and then an ICN mm. Queensland after that. Yeah. Um, but I actually had a holiday booked. And I didn't know. So um, I wasn't actually able to do the state Queensland show. Um, but yeah, I've done season A and season B. Honestly, like it doesn't realistically bother me which one I really did. Um, you know, I guess Christmas and like Easter is like two days there and it's like get in shape early enough. You might be able to manage something. You can still share the time with your family. Sure. You might not be able to eat a majority of the food there, but you know, how bad do you want it? Comes exactly. That. Yeah, exactly. And obviously Lawrence doesn't well, want to, bad bad enough. Enough. doesn't want to diet over the Chrissy, you know, suck no. it up, buttercup. Well, but in fairness, it's Christmas, Easter. And then in the first four months of the year, it's, my sister, my dad, my birthday, Gemma's birthday, and my mom's birthday. So it's like literally my entire family. So it just wouldn't make any sense. It'd be like miss out on all of the family stuff for the year or miss out on like one or two. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I've done season B though as well. I like season B though, just because it's got a higher caliber of athletes. Um, yeah, more, more, more shows people. as well. Like, you know, opportunity for like what you're doing, Lawrence, going the WMBF, like over in the world. With season eight, you don't get that. So. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Well, the next question says, how do you get out of a post-comp slump? I think this is a good one to cover because there's a lot of people who would be, have ended their season. I think the vast majority of physique athletes in Australia probably would have wrapped up this weekend because, you know, mm. they either would have done the IFBB or the ICN Nationals. So, Look, I think it's one of those things where it's very normal. You know, it's the whole idea of the post-comp blues and and it's very easy to get a bit bogged down because you've just had five or six months where it's all been about progress, looking better each week. And then especially the last probably one to two months for you have all been about like show days, photo shoots, pictures, like all this attention, all this engagement on social media. And then all of a sudden, you know, you wake up Monday morning and the season's over and it's like, damn, like now what? And I think that it can be quite normal to fall into a bit of a slump. But I think that's where you need to go back to the fact that, you know, you're not just a comp prep athlete, you're an athlete, you know, go back to the things that sort of make you a bodybuilder, you know, establish a bit of a pattern and a routine with your eating. It doesn't need to be you know, super meticulous, like you are during prep, you know, it can be a really good idea to factor in some meals off plans, like your friends and family are going to want to celebrate with you, but have some routine, have some consistency, you know, still aim to tick your boxes, go for a walk each day, get sufficient sleep, drink enough water, take your supplements, do your, I don't know, mobility, do whatever you want to do. Like, I think it's good to keep up some of those habits in prep. And I actually think that a lot of people probably don't maximize their off season as well as they could because all of the really good stuff that they're doing in prep they just kind of let go of in the off season and just say oh yolo i'll see how it goes and then the final thing i would say in terms of getting out of that slump is is really set your sights on goals that you want to tick off in the gym like i was telling jack the other day that i've got like a a list of notes in my phone of weights that i want to hit on certain machines or things that i want to do in the gym and I know that that is going to immediately spur me on once the goal of competing has been satisfied this season. So, you know, get your logbook, write down some stuff that you want to be able to do, get back to progressing that week on week, because I think it's a good way for you to have something to work towards 
that's not physique focused, which I think for a lot of people is exactly what they need coming out of a show. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you summarized that nicely. And I think another way of, I'd, I'd almost not to be pessimistic, more so realistic, like I don't almost expect a bit of a post-comp slump because it it's almost like your reward centers in your brain have been completely turned upside down. Like on the way down in prep, your reward center is activated by different things. Like for example, stepping on the scale, getting a lower weigh-in or seeing your physique change or maybe getting positive feedback from your coach or other people on your physique. Um, whereas outside of prep, like once you finish, like it's, you don't have any of those same reward centers. You're going to look a little bit worse initially as you, as you gain body fat. I mean, that's partially subjective. The scale is going to go up. Um, people, I mean, people might say you're looking bigger, but maybe that's not what you want to hear post-comp because you're used to looking smaller. So I think it's also about, also about reframing the reward centers and just anticipating that. And, uh, also, uh, just finding other things that bring you enjoyment, even if it's as simple as, Hey, did you make any friends during comp? Is there a, is there a way you can catch up with them? Maybe train with them at the gym, um, that sort of stuff. Like I know that, um, when I compete, like I'll probably look forward to this podcast as, as a means of, uh, as like not necessarily holding myself accountable, but just chatting to, to like-minded people about my bodybuilding and about, um, everything else. Cause we always have a bit of a chat before and after the, the episode as well. So, um, yeah, that would that would be my two cents. And I think above all, reach out, like reach out to your coach, reach out to someone else, uh, whether it's friend or family, someone who can hear you out and don't go go through it unnecessarily just by yourself, like share it with someone else who's who's willing to help and listen. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. You boys absolutely nailed it. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, there's a couple more lads. Uh, go to cream of rice recipe. Well, Jack's out of this one. <laughs> you you're on the cream of rice, say do I? Yes, sir. All right. How do you make it? How do I make it? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the ingredients first. All right. First of all, 100 grams rice flour, one and a half or two scoops of whey protein. Rule is that one. The McKenzie's one? one. Yes, it is. Um, and then normally I'll have 100 grams of berries, either raspberries or blueberries. For some reason, we're worse than have any fucking raspberries these days. Like, what the hell is happening around here? Um, frozen of course and then normally what i do is i get the flake chocolate i'll crunch it up and then sprinkle it on top you know the Ooh, designer the cream that's yeah tough. yeah okay. i have done like you know the actual like baking chips and i'll just throw the baking chips in there as well and kind of mix it up that works well as well but i don't know the flake you know just adds that little bit up it's a uh, bit of razzle dazzle isn't it mate yeah. what about the the water Ronnie what's the water done ratio that. so so I actually prefer, like, when you eat yours, Lawrence, do you bake yours like a cake somewhat or do you have it, like, somewhat runny? Because me, I like mine personally, like, somewhat a little bit runny. Like, I don't want to bake like a cake. I'm not eating a brekkie cake. Sorry, Jack. Yeah, I try and get it to the point where it's, like, probably somewhere in between. Mm. So, normally, what I'll do is, like, a four-to-one boiling water to powder. And I'm Mm. essentially the same like rule one way Mackenzie's rice flour, but I also throw in some of the JDN cream of rice as well. Mm. And then I'll like, normally the consistency after I've mixed that, whisked it together and the whisk is key. It's normally just about there. And then I'll normally go like 45 seconds in the microwave and then it'll be perfect. 95% dark chalk on top, mixed berries. Oh no, blueberries sometimes. 
if it's not a pre-workout meal and then you know robert's your mother's brother mm. yeah see I, I do three to one ratio in terms of the but in prep i took it up to as far as five to one to get a little bit more volume in there um and i normally just cook mine on the stove co- stove top literally takes like a minute minute and a half and it like it doesn't turn out to like that baked cake but i don't know i can eat it so easily and yeah it just goes down like it's literally nothing <laughs> Yeah, I bought some banana flavored whey today, and I'm gonna make. Mate, it's actually good, Uh, and I thought I may as well do it now whilst it tastes nice. Do you trust anyone in prep, Jack? Like, you know, when these guys are sitting here, unfortunately not. Like four shows (laughs) deep, are you gonna trust this man when he says, "Hey, man, try this banana fucking protein powder"? I was eating tuna mixed with cottage cheese next to me in the car. Yeah, just loving it as well. I think I'm if we had like to phone tr- a friend for the cream of rice recipe, we all know who'd we'd who'd we'd call. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they won't be named, but yeah. I'll yes. name them. No. <laughs> well, I thought actually, I thought you. That's an eight to one like, water ratio for a good cream of rice because mm. Thorburn's recipe is good, but it takes too long because mm. it's like no joke, twenty different pulses in the microwave until it's good to go. Like. Because I, when I got the train by JP way from um, from the UK, I made it as per Thorburn's recipe on like his IG story or whatever. And the end product, it cannot be denied. Like it's it's impeccable. But we're talking like twenty minutes to make a bowl of cream of rice. Like no joke, it's it's terrible. See, I'm a man of convenience. This is one and a half minutes on that stove top. That thing just roars. You're ready to go. Add the whey. And like that meal is made within three minutes. And it's down in two. And it's 100 carbs pretty much by the time I'm done with it. Yeah. Maybe I need to get on that. Mate, yeah. I'm telling you. It's, right. it's just the way. <laughs> it's so good. If you're sitting there struggling. At, at basically every meal. But I mean, that's perfect. Bodybuilding. Oh, forgot there's food rules. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have buckwheat for breakfast if you're not you're not serious about it well you need diversity in carbohydrates but yeah i mean mm. that's not up your alley so <laughs> yeah man knows yes, nothing no. about nutrition jack's like <laughs> oh sorry no, what? I didn't you say don't that, have a bro. master's degree get out of my face ah oh, man you sit there struggling to eat them 600 carbohydrates it's six seven five actually uh, that's crazy mm. is that the highest it's ever been yeah, I don't. I don't think it's ever been seven hundred, but I still got two and a half kilos left to gain. So I think we might see seven hundred. Mm. See, I was six fifty, and I was still hungry at the end of the day. But that's maybe what the difference between the cream of rice and buckwheat was. Mm. But also, you know, I had to supplement, get my fruit and veg in with the V eight juice. Down a treat. Oh, yeah, try room, try room, eating five hundred grams of real veg on top of that and see how you go. Well, I'd be close to it. I'd be close to it. Probably not five hundred exactly though. Does does 500 mils of V8 juice equal 500 grams of veg? Is it well, normally normally I get normally I get so 350. I normally get 350 veg, two fruit, and then on top I have my V8 juice. Right. So, so you're, you're probably eating more veg than me then. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> more yeah, veg, have... more fruit, like every more aspect. Gains. Like not struggling to eat. <laughs> Better in every way. Oh, I'll see you on the stage up. then. Jack, how many meals do you split that up? Six seventy-five. You having five or four? Uh four plus intra. How how heavy is your intra at the moment? It's actually I reduced it because I just wasn't enjoying like the 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 high glycemic nature of of the intra. So I just reduced it to like twenty-five grams of carbs. What were you having? I was having like forty-five. 
Mm. I think the most I've gone up to is 40. But I feel like taking down like 50 intro would be, I think that'd be tough. Yeah, it's, it's not like great. In prep, like in prep, even like my, because I'm still having 30 grams intro and that actually feels amazing. Like, I mean, you guys know how like sensitive you are to carbs in prep. Like I genuinely feel like a a lift after I have it. Part of that's probably placebo, but oh well. But in the off season, I, I feel like that would make me just sleepy, just like slamming down 50 grams of intra. But yeah. I suppose when you get to a certain point, you like that's 200 it. easy cows, you probably have to do it. Yeah, I think my highest carb meal at the moment is like two, 200 carb. So, and that's the that's the protein cake. That's why it's that's why I have it because like it's so easy to get it down. Clearly not easy enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm only blending one meal at the moment. So that's that's pretty good for me, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. See, I still, I don't know if I have like, I don't know if I will could ever get to that point where I yeah you can't say that now. Tell us that in six months. No, but I'm just saying like I've had my carbs like up up like consistently above 600, but I can always eat like it's probably just an appetite thing. Like Mm, yeah, it is. It's it's genetics, man. I mean, part part of it is just being strategic with nutrition, but for sure there's a there's a huge genetic element to it as well. All right, boys. Well, that's probably going to do it for today. Unless, you know, DIY, you want to take any one last stab at Jack? I feel like it's been very uh, <laughs> hostile towards Jack in this episode. That wasn't what we hey, intended. Hey. But so what happens when DC's you, not here to moderate? You literally messaged me on Instagram like an hour before the podcast, Lawrence, saying, let's go for Jack's neck. I'm coming for him. Oh, well, it worked out well. It worked out very well. Well for us. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know how you boys are going, but I'm I'm warm right now in this room. the The house is heating up, but it, we're in that awkward phase in Brisbane where like no one wants to turn the aircon on yet because it's mm. like no. Come I'll on. tell you, mate. I tell you, mate. That aircon's running up there very yeah, nicely. And you've, and you've still got the pit sweats. What's yeah. going on? Is it working? <laughs> it's just it's on twenty one. It's on twenty one. Jeez. You check it. It's like oh no, it's on forty one. What's going on? Man sitting there this in a is- sauna. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, ladies and gents, thank you as always for tuning in. And big shout out to everyone who came up to either myself, Jack, DC, maybe even DY, if you're feeling potentially confident um, and just letting us know that you listen to the podcast, enjoy the podcast. It's always very, very cool to meet the fellow BDUers out in the wild. So thank you very much, guys. And hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Be back next Wednesday for another one. Catch you later.